thoughts are not real. Feelings are not real. They're just feelings. They're just thoughts. Just because I think something doesn't make it real. I could think I'm going to go win the lotto. That's not real. I could think, oh, this person doesn't like me. That's not real. Unless someone tells you something and you factually know it, it's not real. I'm Lindsay. I'm here to teach you proven strategies to be your own therapist that will take you from anxious to relieved. I'm here to help you feel lighter and hopeful while building a life full of meaning. I'm a licensed anxiety therapist running a successful private practice in New York City. So from someone that gives therapy and has been in therapy, I'm here to help you use the formula that moved me forward through serious anxiety in my own life. So follow along as I share what works and what doesn't. This is Unlock Your Therapy. Hello, and welcome to session number 11 of Unlock Your Therapy podcast. I'm Lindsay Hutner. I'm an anxiety therapist and coach here to share information on how to help yourself through anxiety in your life and to share a bit about my own journey along the way. So on this week's podcast, we have highs and lows where I share what's going well in my life, what's not going as well, hopefully to help people relate and feel like they're not alone in life right now. And then we have anxiety, where we spill the tea on a hot topic in mental health. Then we go into skill of the week, where I teach you something that you can learn from, get more information behind, a technique, a tool, a strategy, a new perspective. And then that slides right into action item of the week, where you can get a skill to take with you and practice this week. So high and low. My high for the week has been feeling pretty organized about the school year starting. I feel like I did a good job gathering all my kids stuff, getting them together. I've been getting out the door nice and early. I'm not a great morning person at waking up a lot before my kids and getting them all together. But I feel like since school started, I've been doing a good job of that getting them to school on time when you're supposed to be there a few minutes early even. So that's been feeling good. And I've been able to dive into work a little bit, not a lot because Carson's been dismissed at 11am every day this week. And he only started on Wednesday. So it's not been full time work yet. But I feel like I'm cramming it in when I can. So that's been my high. My low is definitely my kids at school (laughs) struggling. The baby has been crying pretty much all day, every day at daycare. He started Tuesday. I thought he did great. I dropped him off. He was happy and smiling with the lady. When I picked him up at 530, they told me he, well, first of all, I just saw his face. He was puffy and red. His eyes were swollen. His whole face was swollen. He looked literally the worst, the saddest I've ever seen him look in his life. And they told me he'd been crying pretty much all day long. And then they told me that they can't really hold him as much because they have other kids to look after. So that rubbed me the wrong way a bit. The communication is a bit abrasive and not as warm and friendly as I would like from people watching my baby. So 
to be determined on if I keep my baby at this particular daycare. Drop-off is extremely chaotic for the baby. I got to his school at 8.30 this morning, and I didn't leave till 8.50 from dropping off Carson, then going inside to drop off the baby. So I don't know. I'm not sold on the school yet. Carson, I think his teacher's great, and they've got it together more with dropping off and picking up for his class. And they have a great curriculum for him. So I'm happy with him going there, but I'm not sure about the baby. So... I don't know yet to be determined, but Carson has been hysterically crying this morning, probably the worst of all of them, hysterically crying, screaming, I want my mommy. The teacher has to hold him to prevent him from running out of the building at drop-off. It's been heart-wrenching to say the least. I think when you're a parent, I don't know, you just would do anything for your kids. Like I've been so looking forward to school starting and daycare so I could work and be home alone. But I would rather have both of them home with me and trying to get it all done than them suffering and crying all day. But his teacher told me Carson doesn't cry all day, that he settles down once they get into the classroom and he calms down and he has fun. And when I pick him up, he tells me he had fun. He tells me he has friends and he plays with magnetiles and he likes it and he likes his teacher. But he gets nervous about going to school this morning. He said he had a stomach ache. He didn't want to go to school. He was very worried looking. I taught him the word nervous and worried and we've been talking about that. So it's been extremely hard. There was years last year he loved school. He didn't really cry that much until I had Everett. And then when I had Everett, he would start to cry when he went to school. I think he just wanted to be home because I was home and Everett was home. But in the past, he's run into school, like not even looking back, like loved going. And I can't wait till he gets to that point again. I hope he gets there again because it is just heartbreaking. But I know it's good for him and I'm letting go, trying to let go. So that's my high and low all revolving around my kids and school, which I've been talking about for weeks now. So to be continued on the saga, I think I'll leave Carson there though, no matter what, but I might look at somewhere else for the baby. I think it's all about the teacher they have. Like I really like Carson's teachers, not a huge fan of the baby's teacher. One teacher is good and one teacher seems very cold. So I want someone warm and who just adores my baby and will cuddle him and love him and give me better vibes. I'm not getting great vibes. So we will see. On to anxiety. So for anxiety, a hot topic that we're going to talk about today is road rage, and it ties into skill of the week as well. So road rage, a lot of people experience this, and I think it's kind of the phenomenon of not knowing the person, similar to like when people are mean online or rude, (laughs) like you don't see the person, you don't know them. So I think it leads people to yelling and cursing and getting super angry at someone they don't even know, where if you knew that person at all, you wouldn't act like that towards them. Because I think most of the time, I do believe this, most of the time, I think it's probably an accident. Of course, there's like the, you know, quarter percent of the time, 25% of the time that the person is driving recklessly and not being safe on purpose. But I don't know, if you think about it, 
I'm sure there's been times where you've cut off somebody in traffic or made the wrong move without knowing or didn't really see the car there before you pulled out. And you're very sorry you did that, you know, but the person is angry or yelling at you and it was truly an accident. But I think we don't give people the benefit of the doubt when it's happening to us. So if you think about it, there's been times you've done it and said, oh, I'm so sorry, like to yourself, like, whoops, didn't see that person there. But we don't think the same way when people act that way towards us when we're driving. I don't get road rage. I really don't. The only time I get angry driving is if someone truly like almost crashes into me (laughs) and I get angry because it's like you almost killed me or something like that. But little things I don't get very angry about. I don't yell or throw my hands up in the air. It just doesn't feel good to me. And I really don't think the person meant to do that. Sometimes I get annoyed, of course. Like, why is this person doing this? Drive faster. Come on, I got to go. What are you doing? But I don't get angry and cursing. Last week when we were in Maine, I was coming out of Target with baby formula And Dan was in the car with both kids and Everett was crying. So he drove the car to find a shady spot. So when I came out with the shopping cart, I was calling him on the phone to ask where he parked or if he could swing around and pick me up. While I was doing this, I was off to the side, pushing my shopping cart to the parking lot. A car came flying up behind me and screamed out the window, get off your phone, you beep, 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 cursing at me, calling me names. And then he took off speeding through the parking lot. Maybe this person is not a nice person, but had that person known I was coming out of Target after buying baby formula that I couldn't find for months for my child, I have a screaming baby in the car that I'm trying to pick up formula and feed him with right now because we forgot his other formula back at the Airbnb we were staying at an hour away and he was hungry and my husband was trying to find shade for the kids to be in the shade, I don't think he would have cursed me out for pushing my shopping cart while talking on the phone. I wasn't stopping traffic. I was off to the side. But people react because they're being selfish, right? And if we think about ourselves in traffic and we get irritated with traffic, well, you could think, I am traffic, right? I'm traffic too, And I cut people off too. And I pull out in front of someone without seeing them too. So I think just giving people the benefit of the doubt, you can apply this topic to anything else too, right? If we're waiting in line at the grocery store, we get annoyed, irritated. Someone might cut us in line. When that happens, I don't say anything about that. I'm just like, okay, whatever. If someone like was being a jerk and it was clear, I would of course be like, the line's back there. Like, you can't just walk in front of me. But if it's like an older person, they just have a few things, they clearly didn't see me standing there, it's fine. You know, like, I think not taking things so personally and giving people really the benefit of the doubt, people are just people. And I don't think people are malicious. And I think that perspective shift helps a lot. Like, I think people are just more oblivious sometimes and not paying attention. But I don't get angry at people for that. That's just. That's okay. Sometimes I'm oblivious and not paying attention too. There's been times I might have walked into a line and didn't notice the line was all the way to the back of the aisle. And I would hope someone wouldn't be rude to me about that. They would maybe just nicely say, hey, the line's back there. When you're mean to people, they carry that around with them throughout the day. I know for me, if like that guy screaming at me and cursing at me, it upset me for about an hour. I was like, I can't believe that happened to me. I can't believe someone said that to me. 
So the same is true for us. Like I wouldn't treat someone that way, even if they were in my way while I was driving or whatever, because we're going to send people out into the world having a bad day. And we don't want to put that energy out there. So, you know, maybe it doesn't apply to road rage for you, but it could be waiting in line at the store or anything. We just get irritated about the existence of other people and their behaviors out in public and just giving people the benefit of the doubt. I created something brand new, the No More People Pleasing mini course. I help women to stop people pleasing and put themselves first without the guilt. What would life look like if you could stop asking your partner to order food for you in a restaurant or ask your boss for that raise you're long overdue for? I'm going to teach you four proven strategies, research proven strategies that's going to bring you from people pleasing and passive to empowered and confident. You're going to use my outline, my scripts, my beautifully designed PDFs to get the exact skills you need to become more assertive in your life. I'm going to teach you four skills through my videos and worksheets that's going to bring you to a place of confidence and being assertive in your life. You're going to get my beautifully designed self-esteem daily journal to print out, my practice assignments to start changing your mindset and your behaviors. If you sign up now before I launch, you can get it for $29. That's the lowest it will ever be. And I'm giving everyone who signs up now a bonus gift. So go to at Unlock Your Therapy on Instagram, click the link in my bio to get on the list. So skill of the week is all about sticking to the facts when it comes to what happened and not just using emotion. So for example, right, if I give the example of road rage, a car cuts me off and someone says, oh, what happened? If I were to rely just on emotion, I would say, oh, this jerk cut me off. I can't believe he did this. He almost made me crash. I had to slam on my brakes. I'm so angry. Um, They don't know how to drive, right? That would be pure emotion. If I just used facts of what happened, I would say a four-door black sedan, Honda Civic, sped up and then abruptly turned around my car and got in front of my car and then slowed down again, causing me to slam on my brakes and slow my car down as well. That's just facts of what literally happened, right? There's no emotion in there. I don't know if the guy's a jerk or the girl. I don't know if something's happening inside that car. I don't know if they're having an emergency or a really bad day or they're struggling with something or they didn't see my car there and it was truly a mistake that they cut me off because I was in their blind spot perhaps. So when we just stick to facts, it takes the emotion out of it and then it can help us feel differently because we're using a different perspective. So that ties into what's called manufactured emotions and real emotions. So when we have an emotion, a real emotion, it lasts maybe 60 seconds or less. I think it's even less, like 40 seconds. So a real emotion is if I'm crossing the street and a car almost hits me, I would go, (gasps) I would gasp and jump back and I'd feel scared. I would feel scared for them almost hitting me. My life is in danger. I feel scared. Now the car drives away and I calm down, I'm safe. That emotion will naturally dissipate. If I continue to tell myself a different story after that happens, it's all over, the car's gone. 
now I'm like, oh, that person almost killed me. I can't believe that happened to me. What were they thinking? That narrative I'm conjuring up in my head is going to cause me to feel angry. And that I'm making up in my head that I'm manufacturing that emotion. That's not a real emotion I'm having in the moment. A real emotion is just when you're responding to something in real time. A manufactured emotion is when you're going on and on and on in your head about a story, you're ruminating on something that happened, and you're adding in emotional details to the story, right? You're not just using facts. You're not saying, oh, a red truck went fast near me. And then they sped away and it caused me to gasp and to jump out of the way when I was trying to cross the street this morning. No, you're saying all this other stuff. You're adding emotion and fuel to it to make it like, they almost killed me. They did that on purpose. They probably were trying to hit me, whatever's going on. You're making all of that up. It's fake. You don't know any of that to be factual or true. So when that happens, just stick to facts and stick to real emotions in real time not ones you're making up in your head. You're manufacturing them. They're not real. So you can use a mantra of feelings aren't facts, right? Yes, I feel scared and now I feel angry that that happened to me. And that's okay. It's valid to feel angry that you almost got hit by a car. Of course it is. However, the other narrative is not necessarily true. So you can go back to the softer emotion of, wow, that was really scary. I was really scared I was going to die. That's a softer emotion and a harder place to stay. The brain protects you by saying, oh, I'm so angry, what a jerk, I can't believe they did this to me. You're placing all of that emotion onto them instead of just sitting with your own emotion. I was really scared, I almost died this morning. That was scary, wow. So that's just a difference, and I just want you to notice and feel that difference. So if something happens and you find yourself ruminating about it, just trying to think about it differently and just sticking to facts and that you don't know anything else about that person, right? At the doctor's office, the front desk person might've been rude to you. Okay, well, you don't know that story. That's not about you. They're probably rude to everybody, right? (laughs) That doesn't make it right, but it's not about you. And it's not about some narrative you might be thinking in your head, oh, she probably doesn't like me, this and that. That's just not true. And you need to let that go and stick to facts. So the mantra feelings are not facts, I really love and find to be really helpful. That segues nicely into action item of the week, which is literally what I just said. Using feelings are not facts. You can also say thoughts are not facts. Thoughts are not real. Feelings are not real. They're just feelings. They're just thoughts. Doesn't make them real. Just because I think something doesn't make it real. I could think I'm going to go win the lotto. That's not real. I could think, oh, this person doesn't like me. That's not real. Unless someone tells you something and you factually know it, it's not real. Based on their behavior, you can make assumptions, but that goes into what we were talking about last week in session number 10 podcast of thinking errors, right? You're jumping to conclusions and mind reading. So all of this fits nicely together. So we want to stop manufacturing our emotions, sticking to real ones, and just recognizing when you're doing that, being factual. Describe something like a police report, right? You're just writing the facts. You're not writing your thoughts about it, your opinion about it, your emotions about it. You're taking all that out and you're just pretending like it's just a factual court report. Nothing else, nothing added. This is not a fictional novel we're writing here. This is just a boring factual statement. 
And how can you retell that story with just the facts and all the emotions sucked right out of it? So I hope this can be helpful for you. I know for me, it it will be helpful. I think September is a great time of year, but I think it's also a stressful time of year speaking for myself, but knowing that I'm not alone of things being new, right? There's new people you're going to meet, new situations, possibly maybe new assignments at work coming up. People are getting more buckled down into work. Even if you're not changing jobs, there might be new things coming out, new opportunities. And that also means different people and friction is possible. I like that term of friction of, I was reading um, something about violence or something like that and why it's more prevalent in cities. And it was saying because there's just more people interacting in a day, right? So if I'm in New York City, and I commute to Manhattan, I take might take the subway and then a bus and then I'm walking and you're interacting with a lot more people and humans throughout the day. And that's more cause for friction, as they call it. And I just love that term. I think it's perfect. And it makes a lot of sense. Like if I live in Vermont, I wish you only come across a handful of people a day. <laughs> Literally, there's just not that many people there in the state overall. And it's less friction because you might only come across five people. You probably know them. So it's not the same as interacting with strangers all day long, different personalities or attitudes, and that causes friction. So just keep that in mind as you're going through your day, going through new places, new situations. We don't know, you know, certain situations for the first time is always really scary. And just thinking of that idea of friction And you can reduce the friction by just sticking to the facts. The emotion's not really relevant. And you can process that on your own and try to remove that from your narrative. And it gives you a better perspective. I hope all this is helpful. And that's all I got for today. I have to now run back and pick up my children, who I hope had an okay day. I don't know. (laughs) So wish me luck. Please send me some good vibes because I am struggling with the school situation. I'll update you all next week, hopefully with a better report. I know you mamas feel me. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.